If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Welcome to, welcome back to another episode of the Stick With It podcast. It's kind of funny. I um I changed the name to stick with it, and then uh, I disappeared for a couple of months. Ghosted you all. Apologies for that. I've had a few things going on, and I'm excited to share today's episode with you. But just before we get into that, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. I pay my respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And this podcast is recorded on Gadigal land, beautiful part of the world where I grew up and I'm very happy to be back in. So um, today I'm kind of going to I actually, to be honest, I started recording this podcast. I got 20 minutes in. I was like, I'm still not talking about the main topic of the podcast. And then my door knocked because I had a delivery on a Sunday, which is random. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I actually bought these. um, So you can get this, like, I've got a bit of, it's been raining heaps in Sydney. And, um, you know, we, in the area that I am in, in the eastern suburbs, it gets quite damp. And Sydney in general is quite damp, so you can get quite a lot of mould. So I just ordered these um, charcoal things that you can put and it absorbs, you know, put in cupboards and stuff, it absorbs all the moisture. And then you can put them outside in the sun. Every month you put them outside in the sun for like, I don't know, a few hours or something. And then it read the label if you get these, by the way. I don't know exactly what the – I haven't opened the box yet, so I don't know exactly what the instructions are. But um, it just like reactivates the charcoal. So then you can just put it back in and it lasts like two years. So very environmentally friendly solution for um, for keeping the mold out of your house, um, which is awesome. And that kind of damp, that damp smell that so many of us would be dealing with right now, considering the um, how much has been raining. The sun has finally come out today for a little bit, which is lovely. Um, so I said, like I said, I've had a couple of things going on while well, I started my new job. I'm uh, working with Balance the Grind, uh, which some of you might be familiar with. It's a pretty popular title. Um, started here in Sydney and uh, I'm the head of strategic partnerships. So um, it's so good. I've been having some awesome conversations with people and um, I really like what the publication's about. Basically, um, the two kind of big areas that are covered on the on the on the show, I was going to say on the show. This is a show. That's not a show. On the um, on the on the blog, or well, blog turned into publication. Really, it started off as a blog. Um, uh, looking at the daily routines of people from all walks of life: artists, um, professional athletes, writers, um, business people, actors. Um, a whole a whole myriad of people from different places and from different professions how do they actually run their day you know how do they how do they do their daily routine and then um then we also have a section of the site where we have conversations and hey oh the editor has had conversations now with over 2,000 people about their work how they manage work-life balance and that's essentially what it's all about is 
you know, how does everyone do work-life balance? Because people do it do it differently. So really, really cool. And if you want to talk to me about that, if that sounds like something you're interested in, um, please reach out to me. I always have my LinkedIn um, sort of details in the show notes, um, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk, talk to you about it because um, we're exploring different ways of partnering and sort of monetizing the, um, the publication, which is really interesting and really exciting. Um, so I'm doing that full time. I've almost finished up with all of my clients now. I've got some client work that I'm still doing. And this podcast show has kind of just been sitting there in the back of my mind with me going, cool, I said stick with it. And then I disappeared. What am I going to do with the show? Where do I want to take the show this year? And um, I kind of, I kind of wasn't completely sure. I needed that like inspiration. I, I kind of talked a little bit about it last time. And, you know, then I put out a post saying, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm thinking about doing something about gender and identity. And um, a few people were like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And so this podcast, I'm going to go into that a little bit. And I will just say that I'm not, I'm not making this podcast with the purpose of it only being for people who identify as non-binary or people who identify as trans or people who think maybe they will identify as non-binary or trans. Um, I kind of think it's more just like something, how I, I'm approaching this for the purposes of this show and this audience is more thinking about, well, like we need to think about things like gender norms and we need to think about things like we all have to come to terms with our identity and how we think about things. And now seems like a really good time to have that conversation because we've all just had two years of kind of pause um, and, you know, sort of, I guess, there's a lot there's a lot happening now like people are moving jobs a lot people are rethinking the way they're living their lives and you know it's different for different people in different parts of the world um but it just feels in my gut it feels like the right time to be talking about this and also I'm personally kind of on that journey so um that's where I'm coming from that's where I'm coming from with that part of the show but before we get into that I wanted to kind of geek out with you a little bit but I'm just going to try to not do it for 20 minutes this time um so let me say this before I continue. If you're not very familiar with the 16 personalities, you're not very familiar with MBTI. If I say something like a cognitive function, you're not, you're like, I don't know what that is. I've just put together three videos that I've released on my YouTube channel that will walk you through step by step what these things mean. So the first video is about just the basics of what do the letters mean in MBTI? Like, what are we talking about when we say, uh, e versus I, extrovert versus introvert. What does that actually mean? What is an N and what is an S? Um, if someone's an ENTP or an ENFP, what's the difference? So it's a that's a very short video. That's like six minutes. Um, then I have a video. The second video is about cognitive functions. So in that, I'm talking about how do you figure out the different cognitive functions of the 16 personalities and what do those cognitive functions mean and then how do you figure out our cognitive function stack for a particular personality type there are eight different cognitive functions and uh in the youtube video i'm very like visual about it so if you're someone who likes to learn things visually i think that's a better place to go for that um, and then in the third video i start talking about temperaments and i talk also about the four families of the 16 personalities and how you can start to categorize and group different personality types together 
Now, the reason I think all of that is useful is that I believe it really, and what I've discovered over the last few months and really went down a rabbit hole after my last episode that I did of looking into this was that it just gives us an understanding of the different preferences for communication and observation um, and the ways that we interact with people in the world around us. And by understanding those different preferences, we can start to tailor our marketing messages, our communication messages, um, the way that we manage up and manage down based on what we think people's preferences are. Um, it's To me, it's a very, very valuable framework. And in the next bunch of videos I'm about to release on YouTube, I'm going to start looking at the application of that. So I kind of did this little crash course in like, here's the basics of what you need to understand about the 16 personalities and then um, you can go into the more application piece of it. Now, in terms of this show, where I got to with that is like, stick with it. Well, I, I, I hadn't completely worked out and in, I haven't listened to the last episode I did for a while. So I probably had worked out some things because if you've listened to it, you'd be like, well, you did say that and you did say that. Um, I think that this, the stick with it, sort of message is really for people who are explorers and novelty seekers and probably more I would say th those are probably the two main things so people who have a personality type that is EP so you could be an ENTP an ENFP an ESTP or an ESFP yeah I think I said all of them just then yeah. Um, any of those four personality types have E at the front, E at the beginning and P at the end. What that means, and what you'll see if you look at the YouTube videos that go into more detail about that, is that they're extroverted and they have extroverted perceiving as their preference, as their what's called their dominant function. So I'm a, I'm an EP, I'm an ENTP. So what that means is I have a preference for looking out into the world and then analysing what's going on in the world to understand the world, my place in it, all those types of things. So it's extroverted perceiving ESPs, so those who have the S as their, their preference. Oops, sorry, the mic's moving around a little bit. Um, so sensing, they have a sensing preference rather than intu intuitive preference, are going to be a little bit more grounded in some ways because they're going like what's going on what's going on right now what's happening I'm just going to do it they're more action oriented but both of us or all four of us have a tendency to want to explore the outside world as our number one thing to do what's actually going on out there in the world whether it's looking at the facts or it's looking at the connections between the facts that's what we're most probably turned on by most most interested in and excited by and that can also mean that we can end up having a little bit of a hard time with commitment because we're constantly wanting to gather information, like gather, 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 gather. I'm going to gather all the information. And if we're not kind of using the other cognitive functions in our cognitive function stack, um, we can end up getting a bit lost in that. I would say that the ENPs, so those who have the intuitive um, way of observing the world as their preference would have more of a problem with 
taking action. So we can have a little bit more of an issue with procrastinating and kind of going, okay, like I love this idea, I like this idea, I like this idea. I just want to think about the ideas all the time. I want to look at the outside world and think about that. And probably a lot of us really like things like either if you're an ESP, sorry, if you're, um, yeah, sorry, for EMPs, we're going to be looking at like, okay, what are the connections between things? I read five different nonfiction books about the same thing and how do all these different ideas link? For me, one of the things I find is generally when I read, I can connect it with lots of other things that I've read before. Oh, yeah, they're saying that. That comes from this framework from before and that makes sense. It's like you can see how all the things that you're observing in the outside world kind of link and you can create connections between things. And a lot of people are going like, how did you just connect those two things together? And it's quite a creative um, function as well. So you kind of go like, yeah, I'm connecting this, this and this, and that means blah, and you can come up with ideas really quickly. AMPs are probably going to have a harder time actually taking action on any of those ideas. It's just like, I can generate heaps of ideas, but I don't really want to take action on them necessarily. ESPs, on the other hand, um, might be usually going to be more action-oriented but it's kind of like all the actions are taken, but the projects aren't followed through with. So it's a little bit more like, what can I do right now in this moment to move forward with that thing we were just talking about? So very like good at getting momentum, but not really necessarily so great at narrowing down the focus. So you end up having like 30 different projects and none of them ever get finished, but finishing them isn't really a priority you just want to make sure the things were happening. So ESPs can get quite busy, right? Um, they're taking action, but maybe they're 40%, 50% of what they're doing, they could just be doing a smarter way. And EMPs are a little bit better at that of kind of going, here's the smarter way to do it. But not all the time, by the way, this is just tendencies. <laughs> EMPs can do that, but then they'll never actually do it. <laughs> so it's like, cool, like you have a great idea, but you're not ever doing anything about it, right? Um, Buy one, get one half off traditional Wing Tuesdays at Buffalo Wild Wings? Wing Tuesdays is the best day of my life, every Tuesday. What about graduating valedictorian or the first day of your new job? I mean, those are all great, but they just weren't on a Wing Tuesday. Buy one, get one half off traditional Wings every Tuesday, only at Buffalo Wild Wings. To the greatest of all times. Buy one, get one of equal value, 50% off traditional Wings on Tuesdays at participating locations. Not valid with other offers. Size exclusions may apply, while supplies last. Limit one, delivery and takeout available at participating locations through Buffalo Wild Wings app or website. Fees, including service fees, may apply. A lot of us end up going into things like consulting and entrepreneurial kind of ventures because we want the novelty. And the idea of working in a corporate world is going to be um, probably not that appealing for a lot of us. The idea of having a daily routine is probably not going to be particularly appealing to us. It's more like life is an adventure. I want to have fun today. And what's fun for me today might not be what's fun for me tomorrow. Um, so stick with it is about me as someone who struggles with that as well, talking about some of those things. It's sort of like I'm talking to people who resonate with that. Now, if you don't fall into that category, please don't switch off the podcast. We can all do this, right? We can all get into modes where we procrastinate. We can all get into modes where we're doing lots of different things but not actually um, not feeling like it's getting us anywhere, right? Um, and that's that's kind of some of the things I want to I want to talk about. Um, 
so if you fall into another temperament, say you're an IJ, IJs actually probably will also find they can resonate with some of this stuff, I think, in particular. Um, IPs as well. EJs maybe not as much. Um, EJs are kind of in a little bit of a different um, different category in terms of the way that they 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 probably not as much in the exploring the outside world. They're more going to be looking at making decisions in a group sort of environment. So this might not resonate as much. Um, you might be like, yeah, I'm great at sticking with it. That's I do that all the time. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, yeah, but that's it from me on that point. <laughs> um, I think basically I want to talk about things where we consider the value of consolidating and the value of like bringing things together, bringing things, pairing things back and going, sometimes you just need to actually fucking finish something, you know, um, because of the journey I've been on in the last 10 years, I'm kind of like, well, I can't not commit to things forever. I kind of need to make some commitments, but I also want to have fun in the process and I don't want to be bored. I, like I'm just not interested in being I'm not interested in being bored. Like some people can tolerate boredom. I find it very hard to tolerate. I'm like, no, like I want to I want to have fun. And for me, having fun means trying new things. So how do we how do we just stick through that last little bit? Oops, sorry, that was my cat. How do we stick through that last little bit of sticking with something so that we finish the project or we can the project because we can't do it. Uh, we don't have enough time or resource. We pair back some of our endless lists. We look at things through some of the lenses of maybe the different temperaments and we start to understand how we can work with our exploratory need and then bring other tools in to help us to um, consolidate because what's going to happen if, as a result of doing that is we're going to actually take, we're going to complete things. So, sorry, I just said the same thing like three times, but we're going to be able to kind of tick something off our, our list that actually moves us forward. And I think that's what a lot of people with our personality types can struggle with. If that resonates with you, that's really what I want to make this podcast about. But I'm just about to talk about sex and gender. So, you know, like, I mean, that's a that's a very like, um, it's pretty broad. I guess it's more just about an angle because this is the type of person that I am. And I was just finding trying to brand this with anything else just wasn't working for the stage of life I'm in and what I'm finding challenging and, and what I'm trying to do to overcome that. So that's what I that's what I kind of want to share this year anyway. I feel like my podcast changes every year. But anyway, if that sounds good, let us proceed. So um how do I get into this? I would I thought of a way to actually switch into the from yeah. So when I was thinking about what this podcast was going to be about, I was thinking, oh you know like there's something about I think for me the co the coinciding of two things of getting more into this personality type stuff. Even look, I acknowledge MBTI, not the most scientific one. There are more scientific personality um, tools and typing out there, 
but MBTI for me just really resonates and I'm I'm not going to ignore that, which is quite strange for me because I do like things to be quite scientifically rigorous, which MBTI is not. And I'm not even going to bother <laughs> arguing that it is because it's not. It's There are definitely problems with it. Um, I just find it very, very useful tool um, because like what I was saying before, it, it allows us to, to communicate and it allows us to understand ourselves and others better and it's sort of like when you start seeing it, it's very hard not to see it. We could say that's confirmation bias. It could be. Um, but I've certainly found it really helpful in actually navigating real world issues like relationship, business, um, dynamics at work, dynamics with clients, figuring out a little bit more about, oh, I think they have a preference for th- these things and then adapting my language. And it's like basically what I do anyway, but just being able to have that framework to un- unpin it uh, underpin it makes me do it faster it's like I've accelerated my ability to do that so um I was thinking about one of the things I think that's really for, or been a catalyst for me leaning into this is as I started to really think more about gender and how I feel about my own gender identity I just realized how fucking useless it is to start categorizing people based on assumed genders. Like it doesn't actually give us really any useful information. I'm saying that as someone who's queer as well, right? So like my personal experience now, especially since coming out as gay last year, is that putting people into these boxes of gender norms doesn't really help. The only time it helps is with people who are really conditioned to go along with their gender norms you know people who are very worried probably generally I would say um people who you know people who've been raised to think that they have to behave and act a certain way because of their assigned gender um yeah maybe we can make some predictions about their behaviors and their attitudes based on that um but beyond that I actually don't think it's particularly useful and as our society moves forward and we stop raising kids that think they have to live up to these gender norms which are also constantly changing um it's like how do we actually make useful predictions about people and understand their needs you know so something that a lot of marketers used to do and a lot of them continue to do is they look at demographics in terms of gender and I'm just like I don't think that's actually a very useful way especially if you've got a millennial or a gen z audience that's not actually a very useful way to be trying to understand how they think and feel. A much more useful way to be looking at how they think and feel is through something like MBTI, I believe. Um, And like I said, this is partly through personal experience. Like when I stop looking at how someone presents themselves in terms of gender and I start listening to how they talk, whether they talk about how they feel or how they think, whether they talk about things as in, they've looked at the outside world or whether they talk more about internally their own personal experiences with things that helps me to understand at least in that moment, what their preference is. It might not be that I've worked out what their personality type is, but I've worked out in this, in this setting right now, this person is doing, they're very NA, right? This person is very NA at the moment. And so I know, I know how to work with them on that. We're going to have a brainstorm. That's what's going to happen. If I, you know, come across someone who is more 
let's say um, they're talking a lot about what happened in their day. They're talking a lot about what's happening in the news. They're talking a lot about um, what's going on in their business. I'm like, okay, I'm probably dealing with someone who's a bit more of an extroverted sensing type. A lot of, lot, lot of entrepreneurs are extroverted sensing types. So in that case, I'm going to really need to be concrete in the way that I deliver something. They're probably going to need to see some visuals. When I'm talking to them, I'm going to show them stuff. Now, that's useful for everyone. Everyone likes to see visuals. But I might just be trying to make what I'm talking about a little bit more concrete. I might do a little bit more thinking when I'm talking about the concrete world. I'll, I'll give them an example. That's going to be much more useful for them than if I just talk abstractly and we kind of go, well, I don't know what this is yet. Let's just explore what it could be, um, which I would do with someone who's a, a bit more like an ENTP or an ENFP, for instance, or even an ENTJ or an ENFJ. I could probably do that with as well. So then I was like, as I leant more and more into this, I was like, wow, they really, I can't actually see really any need for categorizing people based on gender. In fact, the only reason I would do it was if I was using that as a way to understand if I was attracted to someone. And if I was using it as a way to understand if I was attracted to someone, really what I'm, I, I, like, I don't really need to figure that out. I can just feel into that. So that's, you know, like, what is the, what is the benefit of understanding someone's gender? Because the other thing I was going to say with the attraction thing is, like, for me, now I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, I don't find the male sex attractive. So I don't find, like, the male form form attractive beyond, it's like I can see that, the male form is like, you know, like aesthetically nice. But I just am like, it's not really, it doesn't turn me on, right, where the female form does. But it doesn't really matter how someone identifies. So if my girlfriend said, I'd rather you use he or they as my pronouns, I'm like, that wouldn't matter. I would still find her just as attractive if she suddenly used the word he or they. Um, and if she said, I'm actually non-binary, I would still find her as attractive, right? Um, because it's not about her gender, it's about who she is. But I'm, I would still identify as gay because of the sex part. So I was like, actually, so it's not really useful in that either. Where is gender where is gender useful? Is it useful? Like how would it be useful to someone like me who use who is interested in understanding what's going on in the world around me? And I was like, it's actually not really. Because if I'm, the only time it might be, like I was saying before, is if someone's been conditioned so much that they behave a certain way based on how they've been conditioned. So but in that case, what that would also tell me is like, oh, like this person hasn't thought about that this much, this that much yet. It's sort of like there's probably a lot of underlying assumptions that they're making about themselves based on what they've been told about how they have to behave based on how their parents and how society assigned their gender, which I keep using the word assign gender and I'll explain a little bit more about what that means because your gender is not about your physical sex, right? So there are six physical sexes. There's two that are most common, which is 
XX for female and XY for male. And then there's four that are also intersex. So it's XO, XXY, XXX, and XYY. And all of those people also have their own physical characteristics that are going to come about based on their chromosomes, right? That's our body. Our body is our sex. That doesn't really have to have any relation with our sexual orientation, our gender identity, or our gender expression. That's just about our gonads and our sex hormones, right? So what we do tend to do, though, is we tend to... What's the copay for my eye exam? How much is my lens allowance? What kind of frames can I get? And most importantly, who accepts my vision insurance? Vision insurance can be confusing. Luckily, Pearl Vision can help you make sense of it. They offer a wide selection of state-of-the-art lenses and brand name frames. Plus, they work with all major vision plans, including iMed. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Assign people their gender, which is more about how we feel on the inside, like as in what's going on in our mind, the the way we perceive ourselves has nothing to, no one else should have anything to do with that really. No one else has a say in that really. That's about how we see ourselves. But it's assumed that your gender should match your sex. And the other thing is, is in terms of sex, there are some who are also arguing that sex is a social is a social construct. Gender absolutely is a social construct. Sex, I mean, for me personally, I don't agree with that argument at this point in time, but I'm not saying that people can't, can't have a different opinion. I just, I'm like, well, scientifically, there's six sets of chromosomes you can have. So that that's, that's to me what we're talking about there, that, that's, that, that there are variations in how that gets expressed. Not every XX person is going to look, sound, act the same because some people have higher voices, some people have lower voices, some people have big breasts, some people have small breasts, right? So like how those things affect their physical body and physical appearance might be different as well. So there's lots of room for variation there. But in terms of gender, well, what is gender? What does that even mean? Like how, how we internally experience ourselves? Well, that's that doesn't have anything to do with that, right? And I think that was something that I just didn't realise. I actually grabbed a copy of this book and I found it really helpful. It's called The Little Book of LGBTQ+, um, an A to Z of Gender and Sexual Identities. And they've got this little diagram um, in here that you can look up. I guess you would just look up something like sex versus gender and look up images and you'll see it's got like a little person with an outline around them and it's got sort of like these four different 
definitions. So it has um, gender identity, which is represented by a star in the mind. It has sexual orientation, which is represented by a heart where the heart is. Physical sex, which is <laughs> near the groin of this of this car chain. Um, and then gender expression, which is an outline around the person. And these are four different four different concepts, right? They're, they're not the same concept. What we do in our society currently is a lot of our language doesn't separate these things. So our language is very limited. It's almost like instead of having different words for grass, tree, plant, and scrub, we're using tree for all of them, right? And so we actually can't get the nuances in and the differences in in order to understand these different concepts. And this is where I think words are extremely important. Because when our when our language is too is not fine tuned enough, we can't talk about these different things that are happening. Um, so I found that 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 diagram was really useful, and I think it's something that like now we're starting to see that like children and young adults are being raised with these concepts more present in their lives. Um, discussed more in the media, in TV shows, and especially I'm talking now about in Australia, obviously it's different in different countries, but in schools um, these kinds of things are talked about a little bit more and there's exposure there so we can start to understand more about it and then we can play with it and we can kind of go, oh, like, actually let me play with my gender expression a little bit. What does that mean and how do I identify? Maybe I haven't figured that out yet and that's okay. Um, but in the past and certainly when I was growing up, it was like, you are a woman, like you're a girl, you will become a woman, you will marry a man, and all of these things are predetermined based on what genitals you were born with, right? Like that's, that's it. All of these things are going to happen in your life. You are going to wear these types of clothes, you're going to have this type of relationship with women and this type of relationship with men, and there's only two types of people in the world, and they're very different. Men tend to like these things. Women tend to like these things. Men don't wear lipstick. Women wear lipstick. You know, th those kinds of things. It's like th there's no reason that your genitals would stop you from wearing lipstick or make you wear lipstick, right? There's no relationship there. We can see that. But at the same time, we would find it still quite salient if we saw someone who we assumed was male walking down the street with lipstick on. Um you know, at one point in time, there were women who were being persecuted for wearing trousers, women who were being put to death for wearing trousers, which now in most parts of the world um, is not an issue. There are still parts of the world. Um, a while back, uh, a young girl, I think she was 14 in India, was beaten to death by her grandfather for wearing jeans. So these things are still happening and um, it's absolutely mad and very upsetting when you hear about things like that obviously so I think that if we create more of a bridge between people who are being raised to think more open-mindedly about this and people who were unfortunately raised in a way where they were told that they must act and look and function a certain way in society based on their genitalia um, I, I think there's a bit of a, it's quite, it's quite strange because it's sort of, it's, it's like, I think it's confronting on multiple levels for people who've been through, 
who've been through that. Like I could, I was limited in what I could do. I literally was told I can't do these things. I mean, I know of people who who were kind of like, I didn't have the career I wanted to have because I wasn't allowed to, you know, women who wanted to be in the Air Force who were just not even given an interview because it's like, well, women can't fly planes. Women can't be pilots. You know, this wasn't happening that long ago. Um, and there, there are people alive right now who've had those experiences. So that that is very sad. It's very sad that people have been and continue to be told that they can't be the person that they feel they can be inside, that they can't reach their potential because of the set of gender rules they were born with, because of the set of chromosomes they were born with. It doesn't really make sense. Um, and I think the conversation that needs to be had is that we need to we need to be open about what this could look like if things change. So for me and the journey I've been kind of on is one thing that I struggle with is like I definitely feel like it's like in one sense I'm like look I'm so I identify I guess as non-binary. I say I guess because I'm just like I'm a person, but if you had to put me in a category, I would say put me in the non-binary category. And I kind of always felt like that when I was younger, but I was always called a girl and I've always been called a woman up until recently. And most of the time I kind of, I guess where I'm at on this journey is I don't, I wouldn't use the word bother. (laughs) I don't bother too much with like making sure people use the correct pronouns. People call me she all the time. And I think it takes a while for people to get used to. I prefer they, them, but to be honest, sometimes I struggle to call myself they, them because I'm so used to using she, her for myself. So I'm not going to be too hard on people who do the same thing. Um, And I know it takes a while to get used to. And that's not saying that I think that someone who does identify as non-binary and only wants to use they, them pronouns should not be bothered. I, I think it's everyone's at a different point in their journey. Like if you feel like you can do that and um, you can ask for that, it's completely reasonable and I think that's great and I, I applaud people who are able to do that. For me, I'm just, I find it quite confronting and I probably just am easing myself into that. Like there's been a lot of change that's happened and I'm kind of just trying to find my way into feeling natural about asking for those things. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a very, I, I feel like in that sense, it's a very personal thing, right? Like how you manage that and how you, um, how you talk about that is, is different, like, um, and how you feel about it. Every, everyone has a different sort of feeling, but I guess what I would say to people who are resistant to using they, them pronouns is it's like, well, if you identify as a woman, your gender is woman. In your mind, you think of yourself as a woman and that's meaningful to you. How would you feel if someone kept calling you he? If someone only used male-centric language that didn't include you, how would you feel about that? Same the other way around. If I refused, you, you identify as a man and then I refuse to call you he and I only call you she, how would that feel to you? If I only ever talked about women in my in the language that I use how would that feel to you and I think it's that's how a lot of people 
may be feeling and certainly that's how I feel at times is when I'm just like I don't feel very included in this you know so I did this um I did this uh I had to complete this form for spec savers the other day and I had to like um put in my details and they didn't have an option like it was kind of like your gender was like male or female and I was like well that's not gender that's sex but you're asking me for my gender and I wouldn't say that my gender is female I would just say my gender is non-binary and then for my title you know so whether you use miss or ms or mrs or mr or sir or doctor or madam or whatever they didn't have any non-gendered options other than doctor or professor and I was kind of like well I don't really like using miss I don't really like using ms I don't really want to use those so you haven't given me an option here like I literally can't finish this form unless I pick this and when we do that to people it's like it's a little thing but when that those things happen we're basically saying we don't acknowledge that you exist right? It's sort of like, we don't acknowledge that it's legitimate for you to be. It's a little thing, but it makes such a big difference. It's the same with like, when I um, say, g'day, everyone, I'm saying everyone, I don't say hi, ladies and gentlemen, because that excludes people who don't categorize themselves in those two categories, those two binary categories. Um, There's a lot of things that we could do in our language to really I think if you can, once we get our head around the difference between sex and gender and understand the, the nature of gender being a social construct and, and we appreciate that, all of the rest of it starts to make a lot of sense. It's actually quite logical and easy to understand. Um, and it's not like, I don't think it's a big ask to just say, hey, like let's acknowledge that there are a lot of people who don't put themselves on either end of the spectrum of being a man or a woman in terms of their gender. That's not how they see themselves. Um, For me, another thing that I've found um, is like along with gender identity, there's also this thing around gender expression. And I briefly mentioned it before. Um, And in this book, it talks about gender expression kind of reflects how we feel on the inside. So for those of you listening who have worn lipstick before, I want you to think about what it feels like to put lipstick on. What are you doing when you put that on? Is it something that you do on certain days when you're feeling a certain way? Does it make you feel sexy? Does it make you feel appealing? Does it make you feel powerful? Or does it make you feel like you're hiding? That that thing, that act of putting lipstick on, what does it do for you? Is that something that you feel expresses something that's going on for you on the inside? So for me today, I'm wearing lipstick. Um, I Yesterday I wore lipstick as well, but most of last week I didn't wear lipstick. And part of it's usually for me if I'm going out and I'm kind of feeling a bit like um, I want to feel a little bit more done up, like I'm kind of dressing up a little bit. I'm going to have a bit of fun. Um, It puts me in that kind of mood. Sometimes when I don't wear lipstick, it's because I also feel a certain way, like, oh, I really want to not think so much about 
the outside world today. I want to focus on some other things that are going on. I want to feel more relaxed. And so for me, not wearing lipstick kind of helps me, puts me in that mood. It's like, you know, when you come home, you put track pants on or, um, you know, like sometimes you wear, want to wear a cap or a hat because you feel a certain way in it. How does, how do, how are you expressing yourself? Now, is that gender? Is that a gender expression because of the social construct or what we've been taught about these items? Um, is it an expression of self? Is it both? I don't know. I haven't completely worked that out, but I absolutely don't think that lipstick is something that should only be exclusive for those who have vaginas. Like I don't see how those things are related to each other at all. Um, I don't see how, I, like I, I, the only way I could see it is if I put myself back in a paradigm where everything that I was shown on TV when I was a child was absolutely correct. The way that women behaved on TV was the way that I should behave. If I believed that, then I could kind of try to get my head back into a mode where I would think like that. But I don't think like that, right? Like I don't think that because fashion changes and how we do things change over time, right? Um, so I think like this idea of showing up as yourself is something that may feel like it's gendered for some and may feel like it's not gendered for others. So if for instance, someone who identifies as a cis woman, so cis woman meaning as in the gender that you were assigned matches or aligns with the sex that you have. So you think of yourself as a woman, you were assigned as a woman, and you are a woman physically, your physical body is female. If all of those things align, then you're a cis woman, right? Now, a cis woman can still wear whatever the fuck she wants, right? Should be able to. There's, there's no reason that just because you're a cis woman doesn't mean that you can't wear a snapback <laughs> or you can't dress up but not wear heels or that you can't be a labourer or that you can't be an engineer or that you can't be an astronaut. They can't be anything. Of course you can. Of course you can be whatever you want to be. I think the big part that, that will determine that is more what should be is your skills, your capability, you know, what, what you're able to do, what you're interested in, you know, those things should be the things that determine what we're able to do, not our genitalia. I, I know that there's a common argument against this, which is, oh, yeah, but women can't carry as much as men can, blah, 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 they're not as strong. I was like, okay, one, we have like a lot of technology now to help with that kind of stuff. Two, there are women who are extremely strong and are much stronger than a lot of men out there as well. And it's a bell curve, right? So yes, there will be on the extreme end of those who identify or are uh, male, as in like physically male, have a, have a physically male body. Yeah, on the extreme end are potentially able to carry a lot more. But there's also a lot of women who could, would be strong enough to be laborers and would be interested in that. And it's not really legitimate to say, okay, therefore no women can do this because there's a bell curve and there's a lot of women who wouldn't maybe be as suited to physical labor. Well, actually, there's a lot of men who aren't physically suited to labor either and they manage to get through it. So I think there's some 
there's some like uh, really there these these arguments that don't really stand up when you actually think through them. You know, like um, the, men cannot have children, right? That that is a physical limitation that cis men and also um, trans women may have, right? But that doesn't mean that your gender isn't something that can't be um, that can't be expressed in different ways. So anyway, I'm saying all of this with a lot of um, passion behind it because it's something that's bothered that bothered me from a very young age, um, and I think there'll be people who think differently about this, right? And I get that. But for me, I just feel like what a great opportunity we have as a society now to lean into this, to understand this and to raise future generations so they don't have the limitations that we once put on ourselves. Let's let's actually work towards something where People have freedom. And, you know, I think there's also this thing. Definitely when I was younger, I saw this. Um, and I think it still happens now. And something that I felt like I internalized a little bit for a while where when that because there's this feeling of like uh, that you can have that I've certainly had where it's like, why doesn't the outside, the way that I appear outside in the world match the way that I feel on the inside. And I think um, I think there's been this attitude towards that of, you know, if someone says that they feel that way, if someone's vulnerable enough and trusting and open enough to share that, to say, oh, I don't, I don't feel like how I am in the outside world reflects who I am on the inside and I don't feel seen that we somehow interpret that collectively that gets interpret can, interpreted as a weakness or like there's something wrong with that person or that we feel sorry for them, we have pity for them, um, we see them as a victim. And I think I was listening to a really good po- podcast interview with Alok uh, recently. Um, they do a lot of like poetry and talk a lot about non-binary and trans issues um and they were interviewed by um glennon doyle on her show um we can do hard things it was really really great my auntie recommended it and uh which i really appreciate it was awesome and um one of the things that alok said was about you know we're free you know, when you start to unshackle yourself from these gender norms, it's actually like there's a freedom in that. And that freedom is um, is something that a lot of people fear or, and I, I don't want to misquote Alok, this is how I kind of remember it. Like there was this discussion around fear and freedom. And what I, what I took away or what I was thinking about was, yeah, it's like it's strange because, you know, I've seen some concern from people around me as I've come out and as I've 
started to kind of be a little bit more open about things that I've always uh, had had issues around or taken issue with um, in terms of gender identity and expression. But now I'm being more open about it and it's sort of like sometimes I feel like people are looking at me like, oh, like that's sad that you're going through that. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel like that. But at one point I did. At one point I was feeling a little bit like there was a bit of a grieving process around it, like there's all these limitations that I put on myself because I took on what everyone else was telling me at the time, you know, in terms of who I could be with, you know, my sexual orientation was dictated by my genitals again, Um, dictated, so much dictated and assumed um, because I grew up in quite a homophobic kind of household. And then um, also this thing around, oh, like, you're changing the way you dress, like that's not a good thing. So now I, I'm i doing something that I actually felt a lot more when I was younger, which is playing with the clothes that I wear. So sometimes I wear things that are a bit more uh, things that you would associate typically with what men would wear, you know, like I buy stuff that is in the men's section and the women's section um, and I like playing with that. I like playing with how I feel and how that comes out and how that gets expressed. Um, But sometimes I feel like there's a bit of a, um, oh, like, yeah, you're going through something, you know, like (laughs) from people who just maybe haven't understood or looked into this as much and are being quite rigid in the way that they think about it. Um, And I'm not saying I don't understand that, It's sort of like I'm trying to straddle two things in saying that, like, I'm not saying that I don't empathise with how difficult it can be to get your head around it. And I am still constantly learning things and I find it hard to get my head around sometimes as well. So I empathise with that. But I also don't want to say that and discount or make others who are very on that journey not feel validated either because I'm like, yeah, I'm on that journey and, like, there's people who have who have been braver, who have been, have felt this much more strongly perhaps and have um, had more, uh, faced more difficulties and adversity as a result of that and have survived that and are resilient and are amazing and are great advocates. And I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that takes away from that either. You know, so it's like, but I do think that I do think that there's actually a lot of common ground. And I think the common ground is that we all want to feel like we belong and we all want to feel like we're seen and we all want to feel like those around us understand and acknowledge and and our existence, especially those that we care about. So I think there's a human universal there. And some of us have felt like we've had to put on a lot of of uh, or taken on a lot of like societal baggage and cannot be seen because of what we've had to cloak ourselves in. And some of us have sort of uncloaked ourselves in that sense and then gone out and chosen how we truly want to express ourselves in the world and how we identify and what that means for our potential and and what we can get out of this lifetime 
So yeah, I managed to talk about EPs and gender identity in this episode. So I'm happy about that. I hope you enjoyed this um, episode. Let me know what you thought. I don't know that I have too much more to say. And I also have to go uh, to a coffee in a minute. <laughs> so I'm going to run. But I'm, I will, I'm going to try to do this more often again, because I really missed it. There, I, I've, you know, I, I've kind of got all my ducks in a row now in terms of you know, I have a job, I have settled into my house, I've settled into my relationship, I'm enjoying the things that I've been sticking at it with, and I'm very much enjoying what I'm exploring as well. And I'm finding a balance between those two things, which is very exciting. So um, I will endeavor to make this a weekly thing again. Um, but yeah, let me let me know what you thought. Um, contact me on LinkedIn if we're not already connected. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next time, but I'll make sure it's fun. Um, give me ideas. If you have any ideas about, um, if this sparked anything that you, if you're more interested in the personality type stuff, let me know. You want me to talk more about gender stuff and, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. I'm really passionate about those topics. Happy to, happy to talk through that as well. Um, and yeah. That's it from me. I have no new sign-off for the stick with it thing. So I guess I'll just say cheers, guys, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.